stay tuned for our Patreon, a hub that will offer produced video and behind the scenes content, get in depth music and lyric breakdown episodes. Subscribers will get to download exclusive music soundtracks. So for more information, go ahead and visit InsideAsinisterMind.com. This episode was brought to you by Bonnaroo.org. Make sure you check out our newly designed store and merchandise. At this point, I'm in Wayside, medium north, with no release date in sight. Who knows my fate? But what I do know, this ain't the end of the road for me. Episode 3. Previously. Someone who you thought was your friend was never your friend, and he already betrayed you. I can see him from two cameras, like close. There's something ain't right with these two motherfuckers in that car. Kumai, I could tell they were straight looking at me. When I jump out the way, all of a sudden I feel like someone tackles me. Boom! They took the thing up off my head. What's up, rabbit? What's good? Basically, I got, I got snatched up by the bed Basically, Like, look, we're not gonna tell you who it is. Saying like someone from TJ gave gave the info to the FBI. They gave me a bit more info on the person that did this, but I ain't gonna put that shit out there. Right there, they take me to their like headquarters. Come, that's where they fingerprint you and then they do the little paparazzi shit with all the fucking taking all the pictures for the news and um, I went to court and then that's when they tell you like this is a special circumstances case that means it's a death penalty case you know now now I'm in the county like I said hearing my real name after all these years and introducing myself as Conejo from Harpy's Dead End like that shit spread quick like everybody knew I was in the county jail like I didn't really write no raps while I was there. I had like, I wrote like one or two, but not really. Until like, them last three or four months, I went off. I wrote like 300 songs. I was just writing all day, all night. And and right there, there was uncertainty. I, I didn't know what was gonna happen. You know, I just, I felt like writing. So I started writing and um, 
you know, you know, like certain homies that I fuck with, they like pull up to my bunk, and you know, I share some shit. I'd be like, let me hear some, and and I would, you know. But you know, a couple of nights, I remember, um, you know, they have them late nights and shit, and and I did go out there and, and you know, body bag a couple of fools, you know. You would just have to ask the homies that was right there with me when I did that. They tell you. I was in the county and um, I was in there and I see I see like little homies like like running around with with tattoos of my songs, of shit that we came up with, like like I had seen this one homie from VNE. That's a gang on the east side. It's called Barrio Nuevo Estrada. And um, he had, he had all, he was about, he was anywhere from like 18 to like 24 years old. He was young. He had the, he had all bitches rattle on him, tatted. And then I remember one day I told him like, hey, you know, you know, like my brother, my brother Venom came up with that, right? In 1990. And like he looked at me like he didn't believe me. I'm like, look, I got a song that I did in 1991 called All Bitches Rattle. That's a slogan. That's a quote that my brother Venom penned, you know? And and like he wasn't the only one. I seen it all comes back. I seen it the Unforgiven. I seen a bunch of my songs, you know? For someone to tat that on their body. That must mean something to them, you know, so. I've never needed a beat so I could write a rap. I could just write rap, so I sit there in the bunk and just like, I could hear the click in my head, so I know what, like, okay, this is, you know, 180 beats per minute. This is más o menos así, and I, you know, you write, you write your rhymes, and there's other dudes in there that be rapping, and, and that's it. I went to court one day, and the, and, you know, that took like 15, 16 months. From there, I had been moved to a medium north. So I was over there in medium north. I, I like the medium north better than, than Supermax. It's medium north. You get to go out maybe twice a day. They got the pull-up bars out there, the dip bars. So I remember we always be working out. We do fucking circuit to where I had this like, I had collected all the Bibles and they got them, them duffel bags. So I had a, a big ass bag out there. Like heavy, so we do like, you know, you do like basically like let's just say you do like ten push-ups, ten pull-ups, ten dips, ten with the bag, squats, and then like we do circuit, like we be doing that, that like I I just like that out there. I could go out there, I take a shower, just go out there like my boxers, my tennis shoes. They start selling them. Um, they look like Nike cross trainers, some like white ones and shit. So you go out there, and I just always be out there on the wall, just. It'd be like when the sun will hit me and I just see like a bunch of like red tail hawks in the air. And you know, to me that when I see that, that's that strong medicine. And um like I talk to the eagles, I talk to the hawks, like I just like stare at them and then just like like mentally like holler at them and be like, hey, get me the fuck up out of here. Fly me out. You my brothers, I need to be out there with you. You know, I I'm not one to be contained. Like, I need I need to fly free in the air. And to me, I felt like they they talked to me back. You know what I'm saying? You might think I'm fucking crazy, lost my marbles or whatever the fuck. 
but I was already on that red road. I, I was on that path. Within my journey, I got introduced to, to my spirituality, you know what I'm saying? And I, and I had a relationship with the creator. And so, you know, I just based a lot of things that happened to me and a lot of things I did on just like on mere signs that like something like this happened, I see something like that and I take it as a sign and and you know basically I just stayed there reading like a lot of fans they always hit me with all kinds of books like all kinds of like wild subjects like everything you know like and you know I, I'd fuck with the Quran I'd fuck with the Bible I'd fuck with like with any like 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 sacred religious book I could get my hands on I dip into it you know and I, I, and I read a lot of books I left a lot of books behind when I left I left about anywhere from like 300 or 500 dollars worth of books over there and stacks of pictures like I didn't feel like writing at all I didn't I didn't write nothing I, I read a lot like all the fans my girl everybody would send me books I just stayed reading whether it be like books on, on Brazilian, Afro-Brazilian religions, Afro-Cuban religions, like I read the Quran, I was just reading all kinds of, all kinds of like, I was just like feeding myself knowledge, whatever it may be, you know what I'm saying, like all, all kinds of types of things, like around like three months before I got out, I knew, well, because my attorney came to see me and he told me like, Hey, well, they're offering this. So I knew I was going to get out. Not when I got out, but, you know, it might be like a year or two or something, or a year and a half after that day he told me that, you know. So I, I felt pretty good because at first, well, you might not know, my case was a, uh, they call them special circumstances cases. And those cases carry the death penalty. And then after that, when they kind of got that off the table, you know, it was just facing life, you know, so that shit's depressing, you know, and, and like I didn't even rap in there, like, you know, homies that was in there, they'll tell you, they probably see me rap no more than four times, three or four times is what I rapped in there, and that was, that was towards the end as well, that was like at the sixth six month mark or some shit like that before I went before I went home you know I felt like rapping like you know they have like late nights like on Fridays and shit like you know all the races would rap I even seen fucking white boys rapping and shit you know you know I went to court this one day and then my attorney said like hey the you know the there's this offer right here this is what it is and um take it you go home today we'll, we'll, we'll plead you down to a to a lesser charge of this which is um involuntary manslaughter and um you'll be home by tonight like around seven o'clock seven p.m see the thing is at this point i ain't really been with my family like that in close to like almost 17 years so i think anybody would have took that deal and um, you know what I'm saying, like, my pops is a little bit sick. You know, my sisters got kids now; they grown up, and motherfucker just want to be at mom's and you know, chill on the couch and get some home cooked meals and like it's like it's like psychological, it's like mental, it's like I miss that. 
And you know, family comes first, you know? So I agree to it. You go out in the court, the judge says, okay, I'm gonna I'm transfer this over to another court. You go back into the tank, go down, they bring you up through another tank. Like you sign whatever the agreement is. And I remember like my mom and my sister, like they looked like they was crying, like they couldn't believe it. And my girl was just like shocked, like what? So whatever, yeah, they take you down to the tanks. And you know, people start going back to Wayside, you know, like Supermax or Medium North, Medium South. The tanks start getting thinner and thinner and thinner. And I was there with one of my homies that I never met. And, um, you know, I, I, like when I was in there, like I always stay fresh, like brand new blues, brand new shoes, socks, t-shirts all the time, like on some clean shit. And then I remember like jumped up out of, out of my shit and I gave it to my homie, the shoes, everything. Then they take you to these last tanks where they're cold and there'd be like two people, three people in there. Nobody's talking, it's quiet. And I remember there was an Asian dude uh, a light-skinned black dude with dreads and then some white dude and then in my head I was like man I wonder if all these this is the last chance and all these dudes right here are fucking informants or so you know like 5 o'clock that's when the court closes so you know you think you're gonna get out at 5 o'clock but they but they like milk it they juice it they let me up out of there around like 7, 7.30 and I remember I walked out and my girl and my sister were there and you know, they hugged me, and and I came out of there in a paper suit, some a black paper suit, some black Crocs, and, you know, we walked up the street. The, the parking was like two, like a block up, and then like two to the left on the right-hand side. And I remember we get in the car, and we start driving. Oh, it's, it's cold out there. It's strange. It's a strange night. To me, it was February 21st of 2018. You know, I went in 2016. I came out 2018. And I remember um, I had never used FaceTime. I, I did, but not really. Like, I didn't want, like, I'd get paranoid about using that shit in reality. Like, putting my face on there. I told my sister, so I told my sister, call my daughter. FaceTime. And I remember she, my sister's like, hey, somebody wants to talk to you. And then they, they passed it to me and my daughter looked at me and she's like, she just started like crying. And she she thought that I was like a, like one of those cutouts. She didn't think it was real. She thought like we were fucking with her. That's what she told me. And she just started crying and she's like, don't play with me. Are you real? And I'm like, yeah, that's me, mommy. Yeah, yeah, Sali, don't worry. We're going to be together in a little bit. And then she was just, she's just like crying, like, like, honestly, we was like crying together, like, and, and she was just like happy. She couldn't believe it. And well, she's my baby. You know, I don't care if she grows up when she's 20, she's 30. That shit, that's just like unconditional love. Like, you know, like I heard someone say that. That he don't give a fuck if his daughter's a prostitute, a tweaker, a heroin addict. Not, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. That's that's your baby. That's unconditional love. Yeah, you might get mad at him, but you know what I'm saying? That's and y pues, you know, like, oh, te quiero, daddy, I love you. I, and she's just crying. I'm like, and then 
it was it, that was like a good moment. That was like an awesome moment. And I remember we got to my mom's house. See, when they told they they told her that I was gonna get released, they went back home and got like a bunch of food ready. So by the time I got I got back over there, it was like to my mom's house. Probably got there about like 8.45, 9 o'clock. And just start throwing all kinds of shit on the grill and 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 you know, and then me and my girl we left after that. And then everything started from right there. And then we just, me and my girl went home after that. So matter of fact, that's where we made the new baby, little Scarlet. Soon after, a day or two, because the next day I wanted to go do the like the probation shit. Went back to the county to get this and that, and you know I want to go do all that. And then I got in contact with Casting Fame, and I was like, let me get some, let me, let, you know, let, let me hear something. My girl helped me find out where to go to the studio, and it was um, enemy for most wanted familia. So he's like, "Yeah, come through, record right here." So I got the beat, downloaded. They downloaded the beat for me, put it on a USB, and I took off. My girl took me over there, and that was that song. That was that first song I did. Not my style. Today is February twenty-first. 2019. Today's like my one year anniversary that I got out of jail. A year ago today, I walked out of CCB Court in downtown LA. CCB stands for Criminal Courts Building. Uh, my my attorney, you know, got me a deal, which was like he pled down the case from murder to involuntary manslaughter. And they worked something out with the DA and I just, I, I walked out that bitch. That's why like on my album, Hook God, I, on that song, um, I say that. On that one song, I say that. That I, wa I walked out of there with nothing. Just a paper suit, a black paper suit, and some black Crocs. So it's like they say, out of the ashes rises the phoenix. I'm a free man now. Who would have thought? I went against all odds with the guidance of my ancestors. And now I'm here with y'all. Thank you for accompanying me on this journey. Without your support, no se sabe dónde hubiera acabado todo esto. It's go time. Inside the sinister mind. Stay tuned for episode four. This episode was brought to you by Bonnaroo.org. Make sure you check out our newly designed store and merchandise. Stay tuned for our Patreon, a hub that will offer produced video and behind the scenes content. Get in depth music and lyric breakdown episodes. Subscribers will get to download exclusive music soundtracks. So for more information, go ahead and visit InsideAsinisterMind.com.